Welcome back to the Pup Sports Podcast. I am your host, Nathan Alford. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are uh, back at the compound uh, for this recording, not at the school, not on location, but it uh, doesn't mean we're not going to make a, a prep plug for you. September 6th, I cannot wait, and the Pup Sports Podcast cannot wait. The Quarter Lane Vikings will be the Bullpup's first opponent, and that will be at Quarter Lane. So going on the road uh, and a, uh, a hectic environment there over in Quarter Lane, but uh, one in which the Bullpups, I think, could fully excel in. September 6th, 7 p.m., be there, be square. But now, without further ado, back by popular demand, of course, is the one and only Scott Alford. Scott, thanks for coming back on the show. It is great to be here on the do we have to speak that way? Like you do. <laughs> um, good to be back, Nate. Yeah, September sixth, out against uh, Coeur d'Alene Vikings. That'll be a tough. That'll be a tough way for the uh, Bull Pups to start their season. On the road, in the sleet, <laughs> in the snow. Well, anyway, um, yeah, that'll be that'll be a good test. Um, as a coach, you like games like that because it lets you know where your team is at. Um, and sometimes that isn't a good thing. Uh, if you find out, you know, well, it doesn't matter what happens because every coach, and I can guarantee you coach Dave McKenna and his staff is going to say, we got a lot of work to do. <laughs> it doesn't matter if they win by 40 or lose by 40, but and it could be after four days of 12 hour days and they'd still be saying, we got a lot of work to do. <laughs> yeah. And Coach Cassano saying we gotta punch him in the gizzard. Um but that that's that's a good way to start. Yeah. I think in general and you know, prep has always had a a history of uh playing tough teams that are that are non uh GSL teams. Yeah, no, and you know, right after that they play St. Ignatius down in uh Northern California, the Bay Area, and they're going on the road for that. So back to back road games for the first two that'll be another that's another unique test it's one thing to get on a bus and drive over to Coeur d'Alene mm-hmm. it's another thing to get on a plane and fly to northern california the expense the time the management the difference in even though mac will try to keep the schedule as close as he can to their usual biorhythms if you will um it's just different and kids sometimes respond really well to it and sometimes they struggle with it so uh, away games like that just by themselves can be problematic and then on top of it they're going to be going against another good program so you got back-to-back really really good opponents for the the pups to go against before they uh, take on the uh, really tough north central indians or something Mm -hmm. (laughs) well let's run down that schedule real fast because obviously the shifts in the gsl uh, now lots for different opponents or they maybe don't play who they used to. Mm-hmm. So on the road against Coeur d'Alene, on the road against St. Ignatius, then they come back, they play U-High, Shadel, Mead, Ferris, CV, Lewis and Clark. That four-game stretch to end the, the season, not easy. To go Mead, Ferris, CV, LC. I mean, if so you drop only, one of those games out. So the only team that they play... From the old 3A or whatever it is now. Well, I guess two, U-High and Shadow. Well, the U-High, okay. So Rogers is out. 
Rogers out, North, North Central Indians out. out. <laughs> are they like two A now? So that's <laughs> so those two practice games are out. So that's good. Um, I shouldn't say that, but I mean, come on. Yeah, um, no, the cupcake games are out. That's one of the things I find most shocking. Besides maybe Shadel, there are, there's no easy game anymore where we'll just show up and we'll win. And really, that's the way it should be. You know, I think for a long time the schedules were set up just based on your location. You know, no one wanted to travel on a six-hour bus ride, yeah. that kind of thing, even though the smaller schools have to do it. Um, you know, but we had enough schools in the GSL area, you know. Um, so, yeah. but with the new uh, abilities for schools to uh, slide up or slide down or whatever, mm-hmm. have a little more control of their schedule, um, it'll be interesting. But yeah. I mean, you look at if you look at Prep's overall schedule, they're going to be tested, mm-hmm. um, and I think whoever comes out of the GSL and and Prep's uh, you know division 4A and all that, um, they'll be they'll be uh, they'll be game worthy. So that'll be nice. Yeah. No, coming off the heels of that though, I did have the privilege of going out, watching them practice on their very first day. Uh, and then had the ability to go out and see them have their first padded practice. Everyone, as we know, and as you know as a coach, looks great. pair of shorts and t-shirt. And then once the pads went on, uh, not to say that they didn't look like they had decent size, but obviously it's so weird when pads go on that guys can look small. I mean, and then I think I see that the main concerns, I think, of just looking at them as a whole seem really thin at D-line. And then one note that was on Saturday that I found out, uh, one of their starting O-linemen broke his leg. He's going to be down for the year. And he was a guy that McKenna thought all GSL potential for sure. So Was he dead for the year? Yeah. So, I mean, well, that's what at least he says at this moment right now. But, I mean, it was a clean break. I saw the x-ray. So that was really, really big blow. And, you know, when speaking of both HT – and Mac commenting on not only are they thin on D-line, they're kind of thin on O-line too. So to lose an O-lineman hurts. Uh, well, that's a problem, man, but it's next man up. <laughs> and, uh, you know, holy smokes, we, 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 we just have to step. There, you know, one thing about prep, here's, here's the good thing about their program, and we kind of touched on this last time I talked to you, is they may be thin as far as depth goes in numbers, but every player is coached the same. Mm-hmm. And that's the hallmark of a good program. So yeah. um, while they may be, you know, the next man up, so to speak, might be less talented as far as speed or size or strength, technique-wise, he's going to get the same coaching. And that's that does count for something because um, that isn't true in every program. So that that's something that uh, I think is a, kind of a hallmark of, of Prep's program. You know, every team – when you go from first to second to third team or whatever, you you you, it's a drop. It's a drop yeah. in talent because there's a reason why the guy whose second team isn't first team. Yeah. Um, but that is a big plus for their program that they've got a good staff. Everyone will be coached in the same technique. Everyone will know assignments, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and it is the next man up. So, 
That's it, a drag, though. I mean, yeah, no, you never want to see a guy go down. Of course, the first day of padded practice, it's like you see the same thing in the <laughs> NFL. The moment guys get to run full speed, you hear, "Oh, it tore his Achilles." Oh, you know, it tore his knee, and it's like, okay, yeah. I didn't even do my fantasy football draft yet, and the guy's done. Yeah, yeah, that is that's, pardon the pun, a tough break, but uh, <laughs> you know they'll. They'll survive and they'll do everything they can to make sure that the player is part of the team and yeah and you know all of that good stuff. So, um, well, yeah, the, already behind the eight ball. That's yeah. tough. But let's look at it from the standpoint of this. Uh, we'll start on the defense side of the ball. They look really fast. I mean, the one thing that I've always seen preached in an HT Higgins defense is speed, and he's got speed at the linebackers and he's got speed in the secondary, and so. Really cool to see that because of the fact that though in size they may not match up, they're going to be a team that I think has full potential to have one or two takeaways in every given game. Yeah, and, you know, speed is good. Um, there's There's been an emphasis on less size, more speed mm-hmm. in general in football. Yeah. Um, and when you have gap assignment defense, which is kind of what prep plays. Yeah. Speed is really a critical factor, so that that part is good. Uh, and then you come up against a team like Central Valley, and they have a 260-pound uh, fullback. <laughs> and then your size—you uh, kind of wish you had a little more size. Yeah, yeah. Coming out of that I formation, but uh, I don't even—you know—assuming they still run that. But uh, you know, but yeah, that's good. I mean, I'll, at this point, I think with with the offenses that the that their defense will face. Speed, I'll I'll take speed over. I'll give up some size and I'll take some speed. Well, you see it every year. You see a team like Meade, who is a perennial powerhouse from the standpoint of the players they get and the size they have, but they're underachievers at the same time where they have all these top talent, top athletes, big guys, and then they play as if, um, you know, they're a JV or freshman still. Well... I'll say this about me. Now they have a new coach or relatively new coach. He's been yeah. there a couple of years now. Um, but I can tell you when, when, when I was coaching in the GSL and that was a while ago now, <clears throat> but it was often said among not just prep coaches, but many coaches, when you would see Mead come out, how are these guys not dominating the league? Yeah. Cause they look like Tarzan and they run like gigantic, Jane. but they're, their philosophy at least used to be we, we were we were a multiple look team offensively mm-hmm. um, and there's some good and bad about that. You can be multiple look and not very good at any one thing. Um, on the other hand, multiple looks can give defenses you know problems yeah because uh, you know lining up poor gap assignment, uh, miscommunication based on what they're doing. They used to run a lot of motion stuff, that kind of stuff. Um, so Meade can be at least used used to present problems in that regard. Uh, but, you know, to be honest with you, I haven't watched them the past mm-hmm. couple of years. I'll be interested in watching them this year uh, and kind of getting to know the, the guy who's there. I don't know his name. Yeah, I can't remember that guy's um, name either. But um, one thing I can tell you about Meade, they'll be competitive. Oh yeah, you know, and they'll bring people with them. I mean, and and uh, 
At least that's relatively pretty good early. rivalry with prep. Yeah, pretty early in the schedule too, so it'll be kind of nice that prep gets that test uh, before. Where do they play them? Uh, that I don't know. I've got to look at and the schedule I had. Just gave me the opponent. They didn't give me at or at home. Uh, on the offense side of the ball, the O line continues to be, I think, a staple of prep where they look well coached. Cassano knows what he's doing. He knows how to take the talent that he has and produce an O lineman that knows what to do on every given you know play they again have speed on the wings and then they have two what they call s backs now you know no longer the fullback position but it's the speed back they've got two kids one is a junior one is a was a sophomore both look fast and both are athletic and it's it's going to be fun to watch them from that standpoint because as far as their run game should be just as strong as it's been each of the past seven years. Yeah. Bob Cassano and uh, his assistant, C-Dub, <laughs> they, they do – Bob does a fantastic job with his line. I mean, yeah. he's had – I mean, let's be honest. He's had some offensive linemen play for him that wouldn't have been number ones. Yeah, if you can remember, you and, had a guy by the name of Mitch Klein – that played receiver for you, and he got turned into a center. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Bob does a great job of teaching. Um, you know, all coaches, all good coaches are teachers anyway. But Bob does such a nice job of teaching them their assignments, their rules. Um, and, you know, one thing about offensive linemen, <laughs> they're, they're the thinkers on your football team. At least they think they're the thinkers on your football team. <laughs> And as a co, I can tell you as a coach, I coached for over 30 years. The worst thing you could do is ask an offensive lineman why they didn't make a block they should have, <laughs> because you're going to go down a rabbit hole you would never imagine. <laughs> They're going to come up with every, you know, well, my rule is block down then second level unless the guy is lined up here. If he's lined up here, then I've got to switch and I'm going to make a call. And before you know it, it's like five minutes and it's like, so you just missed the guy. <laughs> so anyway, but... Now that being said, that's true with every team. Offensive linemen just have that's plus the fact you've got five guys, sometimes six with a tight end. You've got five guys who have to work in unison. Yeah, it's in in your. You have to choreograph it. Is is the best way to put it. It's it's choreography up front, mm-hmm. and then the backs, the quarterback, everyone takes their read, especially if you're running a spread type of thing. Everyone's taking their read from the guys up front. So yep. it's really critical that they know what they're doing and that uh, they play with a lot of confidence. And Bob does a great job with that. So I'm sure they'll be fine up front. Yeah, they'll be thin. But I think with the numbers being down in general in football, everyone's thin. Yeah, no, it seems like the, that's the mentality across the GSL. It's not like I'm hearing this school has a ton of kids out, even though it is nice to see this incoming freshman class, which you would say is always usually big for football, last year had 26 guys. At least this year coming in, they have good size, and they had 44 kids on their freshman team. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, it all starts with your yeah, – there are some coaches who will tell you the most important program in their prog- – the most important team in their program is a freshman team because yeah. that's where it starts. Because the challenge is you want a lot of kids out to get exposed to the game. But then the the challenge is keeping them. 
Because mm-hmm. if you've got 60 plus kids on a team, you're going to lose some because maybe they decide it's not their thing, whatever. That's fine. Yeah. You're going to lose some because, well, I didn't get a lot of playing time. <laughs> and, you know, football's a football's a tough game if you're not getting playing time. Yes. Standing on the sidelines trying to stay warm, especially as it gets into the fall, <laughs> is not fun. Yeah. Um, so the challenge is to make sure everyone stays involved. And if, if you have a good coaching staff that can do that, and prep generally does, mm-hmm. um, that's great. So if you can retain... A lot of your freshman kids and move them up into the JV varsity squad. That's that's a big plus for your program, big big plus, you know. But typically you lose, I don't know, twenty twenty five kids from yeah. freshman to sophomore, and then you lose some more from sophomore to junior year. Yep. But so. one thing I think that is helping some of their numbers possibly is every sophomore, junior, senior. I feel like enters the season feeling as if they have a shot to play. So it's not like the divided right off the bat, you're on JV, these guys are on varsity, everybody practices together now. And that's also because of depth. I mean, if you look at it from sophomore to senior, they have 18 sophomores, 16 juniors, 18 seniors. So it's 18, 16, 18, I believe, is what it breaks down to. So it's something like, you know, in the 50s for uh, as far as total numbers. But I mean, that's including JV guys. That's not just saying that's your varsity guys. So the only other unfortunate thing is I heard a little bit of uh, a talk after that last practice on Saturday saying we're going to have to tell San Ignatius pro- probably that we can't play JV game because we don't have we don't have the guys. Because, I mean, you, you can't put some guy that's not a D-lineman down at D-line just because you're trying to put 11 guys out there. It's yeah. not fair to those kids. Yeah, especially if you're going against a program. And I, I don't know very much about San Ignatius. But if you're going against a program that does have depth, mm-hmm. you're just setting your kids up to fail. Yeah. And that that's not good. So you always have to put your program and what's best for your kids as a priority. And and Coach McKenna will do that. Yeah. He'll talk to his staff. They'll make the right decision on that. But mm-hmm. okay, so if you don't play a JV game, um, then I guess the fourteen or fifteen parents in the stand will be disappointed. Yeah. But don't you know that the varsity game has to come first in mm-hmm. that situation. But yeah, that is kind of a shame. But again, I think that's just a general thing that's happening in football across the country. Uh, yeah, everybody everywhere. Mm-hmm. Which is a lot different than when I used to be coaching. So, well, one takeaway that I had from when I went to the, that practice that that tackle or you know the first padded practice was the difference in tempo and energy between a defense and an offense and I even remember that during my time at prep where there you are on the other side of the field part of the offense and you're it's way more of a listening and like you're in the classroom and you look down there at the other side of the field and the defense is hooting and hollering running around feels like they're joking having a good time and you just think in the back of your head is this everywhere is it everywhere that offense is more boring than it is on defense or is that just a prep thing so as you as a coach, I mean, what was your experience in, in that regard? Well, out of my 30 years of coaching, I, it was probably about 50% offense I coached. I coached quarterbacks and offensive coordinator. Um, and then when I came up to prep, I was a head coach of the JV team, and I helped with defense. And then some years I helped with offense. So I understand what you're saying. Here's the thing. When you start your year – 
Defense is about gap assignments and running. So right from the almost day one, you're after, when you're done with your gap assignment on a particular scheme, you're just preaching to your kids, run, get to the football. Yeah. And so um, there's, they might disagree with this, but in my opinion, there's less thinking in defense. It's, it's reaction. It's instinct. It's go. You know, I mean, we used to tell our players, even if you make a mistake, just do it 100% and get there. Um, offense, again, <laughs> we kind of talked about the offensive line earlier. Mm-hmm. Offense is about, if this guy's here, I do this. If this guy's here, I do this. And especially mm-hmm. when you're running an option game like prep does. Yeah. And a lot of schools do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here's what we're going to do if this guy's in this gap. Mm-hmm. Now, if there's a guy stacked behind and you start going into these levels of reading that everybody has to read together. Yeah. There's it just takes more time to again get the choreography down with 11 guys on a football team on an offense. Then you have to coordinate it with the passing game. Which that your probably pass, takes five minutes for prep. Your passing coordinator, Nate Graham. <laughs> the other, the other coach, I can't, uh, I can't foresee why. Again, there is a need for one to have a receivers coach at prep. I know you teach stock blocking, but to have a receivers coach is just—it makes me laugh every time. <laughs> well, I know that they. Here's the thing about prep, that I really respect. Yeah. A lot of people will say prep's offense is boring mm-hmm. because they run the ball. Yeah. They do run the ball because the thinking at, at that program is we're going to do what we do and we're going to do it better than anybody else. And they do. Yeah. And that's the proof is in the pudding. Look at their record. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't matter that it's the same six plays. It's They run those six plays perfect. That's I mean, that's Vince Lombardi. Mm-hmm. Uh, goes back to the early beginnings of football that you know it's a philosophy we kind of touched on a little bit with mead preps preps philosophy is we're not moving on till we get this right yeah so we're going to run this play to perfection um so while their playbook may not be as big even though i've seen their playbook at least i know bob's playbook pretty well he's there's not much that other teams run that bob doesn't can't run yeah but Having a good running game with a, and usually prep year in and year out, they have a fantastic defense. Mm-hmm. So if you've got a good running game, you got a good defense, number one, you're going to shorten the game. Yep. Number two, that's great when you have small numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, and number three, um, you present problems for other teams because what jumps off the film when you watch it is these guys know exactly what they're doing. Mm-hmm. As a coach, you can break down film and you can see in schools, these guys aren't very well coached. You look at their pad level, you look at their feet, you look at their quickness, you look at their technique, um, and you watch prep play and you see those things. You see good technique, you see them getting off the ball at the same time. Their pad level generally is pretty good, um, you know, those things. Um, so that's their philosophy. And then they sprinkle in the pass. Um, you know, a lot of people would say, well, prep likes to lull you to sleep. It's run, 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 run. And then boom, they'll, they'll take a shot. And when they take shots, they're shots. Mm -hmm. They're usually 
a sail route down the field or a wheel route out of the backfield or something. I mean, it's a big, it's a big play. Yeah. So they get chunks of yardage out of their passing game. Um, you know, I can guarantee you, I coached a couple of years with Nate Graham. He's a former quarterback. Nate would love to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as the saying goes, when you have a passing game, though, there's three things that can happen, and two of them are bad. <laughs> You're going to have an incomplete or an interception. <laughs> and, um, you know, coordinating a passing game at the high school level is, is difficult because yeah. you usually don't have four or five kids who can catch well. Yeah. You have one or two. So that becomes predictable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can bracket them or you can double them. You can basically take them out of the game. Now what are you going to do? Yeah. So, again especially when you have lower numbers. Mm-hmm. So I think all those things together kind of give prep the formula that has been successful with them for what seems like forever. So that's why they do what they do and they're, they're successful. I mean, you know, I think I said this the last time I was on with you. One thing about prep, given their coaching staff and their philosophy, they're going to be good for at least seven or eight games. Wins. Yeah. You know, now this year their schedule is a little tougher. Yeah. So um, they'll, they'll be tested. Um, but, uh, you know, and then the other downside of that is if you get in a situation, you know, prep doesn't mind playing in a close game. They're okay winning, you know, 21 14. The downside is it is not a lot of margin for mistake. Yeah. Because they're not built to score a lot of points real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like a lot of teams that, that, that have that philosophy. So you, you want to stay ahead. You want to run the clock, have your defense play well, grab a couple turnovers. You know, our philosophy used to be if we score three and give up two, we win. Yeah. You know, and that's, I, I think that's been a winning formula for them. So I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. You know, every year's new. Mm-hmm. Every year's different. Sometimes injuries play a part of it. I remember uh, um, when we put Be- Bishop Sankey back at quarterback because Shane went down. Yeah. That changed the dynamic of that team. Yep. Sure Shane did. Shane could throw the ball. Mm-hmm. And he, he obviously, he was a decent runner too because he's a pretty good athlete. But he could throw the ball. And we worked a lot on the passing game in the summer. And then, bang, snap collarbone or whatever, he AC yeah, separation. Yeah, AC separation. And, okay, Bishop Sankey, you are now. <laughs> Next man up. Yeah, you're going to be the S-back. Yeah, so. you know, you mentioned one thing as far as keeping a player healthy and keeping him on the field. But a whole other element to that, and this is, you know, high schools countrywide, keeping them on the field uh, for smart actions off the field, so in the classroom, at home, on social media. So one of the things that I thought was really awesome that they did on that Wednesday, that first day, is they brought a guy in and had that guy speak to the entire team about kind of the do's and don'ts of social media. And I thought that to be really smart because of the fact that it's there's a lot that goes into social media and what a young 16, 17, 18-year-old says, I know, I, I know what to not post and what to post. And in the same moment, you look at them and go, well, then why would you say something like this? And they have no answer for you. I don't know. I got caught up in the moment. So 
what I wanted to go into a little bit with you just because it's it's good perspective and you bring a perspective of someone that's coached and also someone that's of an older generation that didn't grow up with it. I was kind of felt like right at the precipice of it, right at the beginning of Facebook and its popularity. And now where it's a norm, a kid has social media in their life as early as 13. Hope You know, you hope it's 13. A lot of times it's earlier than that. But a couple things in which I'll, I'll say to you, which was said to the kids, um, it was told to them, not only today do you have to have a physical identity, but you have to have a digital identity too. It's something that is if, you know, you may look at it as it's a peer pressure that not only do I have to show up to something, I also have to be active when they go home, when they look at their phone, I have to be on there as well. I have to have a presence, something. Um, but this guy spoke to, it affects college acceptances, which I found to be really interesting that, of course, every kid would probably look at you and go, oh, I know that. I know it could you know, potentially affect that. But in what regard? He had numbers as large as this. 70% of college admissions officers say social media is fair game when they're evaluating someone's application. I mean, that that's almost three-fourths of college admission officers out there saying, we're going to look at your social media accounts. We're going to see if we can. And then at the same time, those same people that were uh, evaluated and had that statement or gave that statistic said that one in nine revoked admission. One in nine. I mean, you're almost at 10% there of saying, yeah, we've pulled scholarships. Yeah, we've pulled acceptances. I, I can't imagine a time in which even if there was a 1% chance an outside factor could affect me getting in or not getting into college that wasn't inside the classroom. Yeah, that's that's pretty startling. Um, but we, for better or for worse, that's the age we live in now. Yeah. And and we look, we all know we're not going back. We're not going back to uh, writing each other notes and slipping them in a locker and... <laughs> you know, <laughs> dropping a stamp on an envelope and having the United States Postal Service send your message. Will you go to prom with me? Yes or no? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, tell so and so I really like him. Um, I think this presents a real problem. I, I think it's a real problem. It's a problem coaches still struggle with because um, it changes, the platforms change. The, uh, the expectations change. I think I was reading where over 2 billion people use Facebook. Um, it, and Facebook is by far still, even though the kids you know ran away from Facebook as soon as their parents started hopping on. <laughs> but uh, Instagram yeah. is huge. Um, Twitter, you know. Uh, it, this really creates problems, I think. The thing I would, the, my, what I would tell my kids if I was coaching today mm-hmm. is I would tell them this about social media. I understand you use it. I understand you're going to use it. And the easy thing to say is think twice before you hit send. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you're talking about high school kids who are impulsive by nature, mm-hmm. uh, particularly high school uh, males. Yeah. You know, who have testosterone <laughs> bouncing all over the place, you know. I think that the I think that the uh, the young women, um, they have a little more patience, but they're a little more calculating in what they say. Yeah. Um, 
But this is what I would say, uh, I think, to my players is I would say, look, try to refrain from, from getting caught up in the social media hype. It, this goes beyond football. I'm very concerned for the youth of today. And I don't mean to sound like the old man on the porch. Get off my lawn. <laughs> I got your ball now. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I would say, and what I mean by that is, social media has become an a place for people to present an unreal picture of somebody's life. Mm-hmm. Look how great my life is. <laughs> I'm always doing something that's fun. Yeah, look how many likes I have. Yeah. Look how much fun I have in everything I do. <laughs> you know? My life is better than yours. And I think, yeah. I mean, they, they just did a poll like last week, I think it was, um, where 22% of millennials have said they don't have friends. And I think that social media... While the aim of social media was to put people in touch with other people and stay in touch, it's actually done the opposite. Yeah, It's isolated people. Mm-hmm. So when you get these tragedies that happen, school shootings, that kind of thing, there always seems to be a commonality of these guys, and they're always guys, usually. <laughs> yeah, They're loners. They, they feel a sense of isolation. They feel a sense of uh, betrayal. Mm-hmm. I think, and I'm believe me, I'm not blaming it on social media, but that's what I would tell my kids is, look, you don't, what are you going to miss? Yeah. You're going to miss some fake picture, you know, mm-hmm. and you're going to think, because this is how humans are. Yeah. You know, if, you, if a kid comes home and he says, hey, dad, I want to go to the party. Everybody's going to the party. Well, we all know that that's not true, yes. but it, as our minds work. Mm-hmm. Two or three people are going to the party. Therefore, everybody is. Yeah. So when we read social media and one person says, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, or you, or you you read a couple people that are going to this concert or did this or going to the show, some kind of fun thing, mm-hmm. everybody's having fun but me. Yeah. And you start feeling like you're left out. You're not part of the in crowd mm-hmm. um, because you're not posting a bunch of Fake information with fake smiles with a bunch of people, you know, that whole thing. So that's what I would be telling my players is don't get caught up in that. Mm-hmm. First of all, you know it's not real. That's yeah. not that's not to say that everything that somebody posts isn't real. Of course, birthdays, whatever. Yeah, you have fun. You do go to concerts. You do have fun, um, you know, and we, you are, we all know what you're eating. <laughs> we all know it's the best ever, <laughs> you know. But but that's what I would say to our kids. And also, look, PrEP has a mission. And PrEP's mission is to be spiritual in your life. Mm -hmm. And while, you know, if somebody writes on a letter or in a text or on a Facebook thing, I love you, that's nice. But when you look somebody in the eyes and you say, I love you, or... This is for you, or can I help you, whatever. That's a whole different experience for both parties. Yeah. You know, that's what's great for like in preps community service stuff. You're seeing face-to-face, eye-to-eye. It's it's personal outreach. Yeah. Thanksgiving time. You hand a bag of food to a family in need. That's a heck of a lot different than dropping off a can of beans at some truck. Mm -hmm. That's not to say that that doesn't have worth. It does. Yeah. 
but it's a different experience. And I think that the face-to-face contact, you know, is worth a lot. And it's being lost. Kids don't call each other anymore. Mm-hmm. It, now it's like, why are you calling me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, text you know? me. Yeah, the only the only time their phone rings is it must be an emergency of some kind. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's yeah, and when I, I would say that you know some of the examples too, in which you know I found on the internet as well as he voiced and gave, um, were alarming too. And I know that a lot of kids will look and go, "That's the anomaly. That's the exception. That will never happen to me." It's still something to be of consideration, like you're saying before you hit send. You know, you think before you post. So a couple of examples here that I found. Uh, a New Hampshire high school boys basketball player, uh, after trash talking and using a pro, you know profanity in a tweet, uh, it cost him the State Player of the Year award, and his post was only online for 15 minutes. <laughs> so I mean, it, it took 15 <laughs> minutes for people to Yikes. screenshot it, retweet it, to where even though when he deleted it, still out there. Oh sure. <laughs> <laughs> and you tell kids, you tell kids that. You tell parents, hey, look, I've had employees I've had to tell that too. When you write something and you hit send, it's forever. Yeah. It's a digital footprint that really doesn't go away. Even if you think you're being smart, you hit delete. <laughs> it's, it's still somewhere out there. Well, one of the things I find interesting too is when you look at comments or you look at posts on Facebook, you can see if someone edited the post so Mm. even when you look at it you can see Mm -hmm. that there was more than one edit to the current post so it's just proof to it's still not gone even when you decide to edit it everyone will know they'll let everyone know oh yeah you messed up we want everyone to see right you edited the post to make it better sound like less of uh an idiot if you know put it well and you know i mean that's that's all part of the social media thing too is it's it's built for people to use it when they're emotional. Yeah, and that's, well, that's what they want. That's content. Sure, it's like it's like why do we do press conferences after a game, <laughs> and the rules are it has to be within ten minutes after the game. The Bears are who we thought they were. Yeah, <laughs> we want to see the coach at the most vulnerable time where he's going to blow up and say something stupid, <laughs> and everybody laughs like, "Hey, did you hear what's so, you know?" Yeah, sorry, Denny Green. It's very easy now for people to grab their phone mm-hmm. and. In a in a in a thirty second time frame of emotion, write something and send it. Yeah, you know. So yeah, look at this one. How about a Division One college program in North Carolina will go unnamed? I, I I think that they're out of some protection with a lot of these stories. Stopped pursuing a college pro or a uh, high school prospect, a quarterback, because the recruiting coordinator thought it to be excessive that he had 16 posts a day on social media so i mean even even where a kid's not even saying something wrong but he's just maybe on it way too much well it's a it's a it's a it's a commentary on where that that kid's priorities are at Mm -hmm. you know and how much if he's if he's into his phone or his laptop or whatever he's using to send out stuff or read stuff um if if he's into it that much, how much is he going to be into my playbook? Yeah. And how much is he going to be into community programs and that kind of stuff? So, hey, look, aside from losing a scholarship, 
people have lost jobs. They've lost, you know, future jobs mm-hmm. because of that. So that's why I'm saying this. This actually goes beyond football, or girls volleyball, or cross country. It goes beyond high school sports. This is a life lesson people have to learn, and it's really hard because everyone around you is doing it. And yeah. if you have your phone with you, and everybody's got a phone now, you're getting these push notifications on, hey, so-and-so just went to Taco Bell. <laughs> you know? It's like, okay. I mean, how did we ever get along before that? Love those Enchiritos. Yeah. <laughs> and now, you know, it's everywhere. Now, By the way, they don't, they don't have Enchiritos anymore, unfortunately. Okay. But, you know, and then when you're at Taco Bell, did you enjoy your experience at Taco Bell? <laughs> you know, like, wow. Um, anyway, so I think it's great that they have a program in mm-hmm. place. I hope they do that with all the sports there. Yeah. I hope they do that at all the schools there. I don't know that they do, but I hope that they, that they – I can guarantee you this. Every coach at least talks to his players about the dangers of social media, mm-hmm. you know. And, of course, the other stuff that kids get into that – I shouldn't just say kids. There have been some really moronic adults, too. Um, <laughs> Impulsive. You know, sending pictures and sexting and stuff like that that yeah. is totally inappropriate. But it's a slippery slope. You start going down that hill, you know, and all it takes is one person. Yeah. I mean, and it can even affect a kid at the high school level. I mean, another story that I read was – a soccer player, a high school soccer player, retweeted. Now, this was not their tweet. Retweeted a picture of what looked to be a picture of pot and uh, a lighter with a caption that said, marijuana is my favorite. And they retweeted that. It wasn't even their own. But it was kind of guilt by association of yeah, sure. why would you retweet that? think it's funny and not think there could be some consequence to that because so-and-so something says something so-and-so and all of a sudden that gets back to administration that gets back to your coach and before you know it hey you're not playing against me this week all right was right. it worth it well i guess you could spend friday night with your new friend <laughs> um yeah i mean that's those are great examples um there's countless examples yeah you know and how many, I mean, we're all guilty of it. I've sent texts to people that after I sent it, I wish I didn't. Mm-hmm. Or I've sent a text to the wrong person. <laughs> I think that's happened to all of us too. And it's like, <laughs> oh boy. And then, then, you're, then you're trying to type some excuse to cover your tracks, you know. <laughs> um, and I don't know. You know, Twitter... Twitter's kind of a, is, is, I mean, texting, I guess, technically isn't really considered social media, but Twitter is kind of a text-like thing yeah. where, where people are prone to just, you know, put their emotions out there. 140 characters or less, and here it is. And I, and I heard a great quote on that 140-character mark was, don't let a 140-character tweet ruin a $140,000 scholarship. And I just thought that was... <laughs> Holy smokes, man. Yeah. To think you're really going to let a tweet ruin not only something that's going to put you in the next level to play sports, hopefully, yeah. but to further your life. Yeah. Again, these are life lessons. It goes well beyond high school sports. Um, 
but sports are an emotional thing. Mm-hmm. And so they're prone to things like trash talking and that kind of thing. I mean, you can look even in uh, Spokane and we, we kind of, we kind of consider us, ourselves to be kind of insulated from some things. Yeah. You can go online and you can read some pretty nasty comments in people's blogs and stuff, you know, stuff yeah. like that about high school players. These kids are in high school. What, why are, you know, <laughs> I don't need to hear you, you know, tear these kids apart. They're out there, you know, it gets, I don't want to go on another tangent, but I will say this people lose sight of the fact that playing high school sports. Kids, whether it's volleyball or, or running cross, cross country or playing football or soccer, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it might be, girls softball, these kids are putting their playing experience on display for the public. Yeah. That is not an easy thing to do. You, people don't really stop and think about that. Yeah, let me come into your job and watch you do what you do. Right. And I can tell you as a coach... You think about that because you're teaching all week. Let's say in football, for instance, you're teaching all week, watching film. You go home, you slam down some dinner with your wife and and your kids, maybe back to the film, teach the kids at school, meet at lunch, look at the film, teach them Monday through Thursday, Friday night. There's your exam. It's all on the field for everybody to see. And those kids are putting it out there, and the coaches are represented by the by the effort that the kids give. It's not an easy thing to do. These guys, these kids, whether they're girls or boys or whatever, they don't deserve to be, you know, torn apart because, you know, a kid drops a pass. Yeah. Oh well, you know, he should never. He shouldn't be on the team. Who, who you know, that kind of stuff. They say ridiculous things. You know. Um, sh- you know, they they messed up a set, they messed up a spike, mm-hmm. they had a block. Yeah, people are vicious because it's easy to be vicious outside looking in, in. your basement. Yeah, you know, by yourself, <laughs> just typing key. You know, keys. Anyway, so <laughs> uh, what I wanted to do uh, for everybody out there is give them at least, and you know, hopefully for the kids listening too, what these football players were given as far as tips to how to appropriately uh, go through and utilize social media. Um, one was, and and before I get into these, the last thing that I want everyone to comment on or think, I've heard all these before, I can't learn anything. Be objective. Actually go through these and think, is there anything that I can do that I haven't done already? So the first one being your privacy setting. Go update your private privacy setting to the point where only friends of yours can see your profile page. Set yourself up for success. Easy one right there. You go to privacy, you put friends only. It's a two-click event. Good idea. Next is avoid oversharing. You talked about it. Why does everybody need to see what you're having for dinner? They don't. What is? Why does everyone need to see what your thoughts about the most recent political event? They don't. Because, again, it's just going to incite an argument. It's not going to incite, you know what? That was an excellent point. What else you got? It's going to be someone looking for, you know, to pick a fight with you. Next one, avoid over complaining. And this is important too, to where you get to that next stage and you play at college. 
the last thing you want to do is comment about a coach's practice because you can bet one of those coaches follows you on social media. And the last thing they want to read is you commenting about how practices run inefficiently, uh, you know, and things could be done better when they've been doing it for, I don't know how many years, way more than you. So I thought that one to be good. Just don't complain. That That's a, a good one. Uh, when you get to the point where maybe you have said some things that you don't like, or maybe you're trying to rebrand yourself, they say Google yourself and see what comes up because Google doesn't lie. What's out there will show up. And so I think that that's another good one to just be aware. So it's, it's one thing to be caught off guard when some a coach looks at you and says, you know, you posted this and you're like, oh man, how did he find that? But if you know the question's coming, at least maybe you can rehearse or tell them how you've learned from that experience and not be cut off guard. Yeah, besides, you've probably already Googled your friends. Yeah. <laughs> um, the next is focus on what you can control. And we talked about that. Future posts. You can be kind. You can be respectful right. on all future posts. So you can look back and go, yeah, I was really stupid at that moment, but I don't do that anymore. Yeah. And this is what I have proof for it. And the last thing they said to him, which I thought was really smart, was it's never too early to use the professional social media platforms as well. So I know LinkedIn, for a lot of people, they look at it and say it's a waste of time. At the same time, though, maybe you have made some mistakes on social media and you're looking at how do I effectively do better rebrand myself? Well, create a professional social media account to go, I'm trying to do things the right way now. And they even quoted and said that it's like less than 9% of college graduates have a LinkedIn profile. So if you can look at it from the standpoint of you have a leg up on other people, why not have a leg up on other people? It takes literally less than five minutes to create a LinkedIn profile and put down, you know, I worked the concession stand for uh, Pee Wee football at Gonzaga Prep. Great. At least something's on there that shows you're trying to do the right things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think those are all pretty easy things you can do. And you can do them now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's great advice. You know, anything that we can do to help protect our kids. Um, One of the other funnier ones that I thought was uh, avoid any sort of post with a misspelling <laughs> or an inappropriate word because those always come back to haunt you. Oh, sure. No one wants to see that you don't know how to spell the word, I don't know. Uh, you can put it even as easy as football or something like that. It's just, it makes you look stupid and it's just, it's just, it's cringeworthy. It's hard to say which is, which makes you look more stupid, the misspelling or the fact that you didn't use spell check. But, yeah. <laughs> you didn't see the red underline. Of yeah. The no, the computer was wrong. Uh, I, I, I know better. No, that's no, I, yeah, of course. Because again, it's a digital footprint. It's not going away. Yeah. <laughs> so your uh, your idiocy will be there forever. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, the last thing too, and we had, and this is the last thing that I wanted to say in the regard of social media, is they preach this: nothing is ever deleted forever. It's out there. Yep. Once you create that footprint, it's there forever. You think you deleted a post with enough time. You know, we even talked about Snapchat where it deletes after a couple seconds. People can still screenshot their phone and they can forward it just as fast as you thought that video was going to disappear. Right. And we should have learned that lesson once it became 
pretty publicly known that when you go to your browser history and hit delete, <laughs> it may be deleted from your screen, <laughs> but uh, they can find you, you know. I, I have a particular set of skills. Yeah. I will find you. So, yeah. I mean, it takes discipline. And again, adults make mistakes. Kids make mistakes, but the the goal is to try to limit them. And and I think that the last part that I would say is speaking as someone that's grown up with social media throughout high school and beyond. It's not it's not a rip on social media session. It's not to say don't use it because it, like you had said, it's not going away. There's mm-hmm, no going mm-hmm. back. So it's here for the time well, being. Well, we know th- we know they're going to use it. Yeah. So it's just, you know, obviously it sounds easy to go, just be smart about it. But literally, if you're listening to me out there and you're a kid, be smart about it. Say those words over in your head. And though they may seem mundane and repetitive, it's, it's one that just needs to be drilled into you well, to say the, yeah. you, you, you are in control. You are in full control. No one is telling you, you have to post that picture. You have to press enter. Or if someone does take a picture, well, you look right at them and go, you better not post that or something along those I lines. Would say, I would say don't don't write or put anything in or publish anything in writing that you don't want the whole world to know. Yeah. And again, that's kind of been lost because we don't talk to each other. Mm-hmm. I can confide in you a secret. I can confide in you a secret. And I can look at you and go and say, hey, Nate, that's between you and me. Yeah. Okay. If I write it, I don't know that. <laughs> well, and also, too, you, you don't know who else is going to look at it. Right. So anything you send, are you comfortable with everybody knowing what you're saying right now? Yeah. As a high schooler, I'm going to guess a lot of times the answer to that is no. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, and that's not to say that adults don't don't say things behind people's back and all that kind of stuff too. But, Mm -hmm. you know, um, from a legal background, which I have, you don't publish things. You don't want people to know. Yeah. Anyway. And and so what I would say to wrap it all up, kids are incredibly lucky to be able to brand themselves in ways teens before them have never been able to. So to be able to have something that at an early age – if you excel at a certain activity, you excel at a sport, you excel in a subject, you're able to get recognition for that at an early age. Yeah. So that's great. It's, Continue it, to do that. It's just you use, use it, it for that. Then you use it. It's like the internet in general. It's a fantastic tool. It also could be a tool of evil. Yeah. So use it for the good things that, that it can that it can give you. Use social media in a good way. You know and. Don't let social media take the place of face-to-face personal interaction because mm-hmm. uh, we're losing that. And I yeah. think we're seeing some consequences to that in our society. And, uh, you know, and, and then the last thing, just to tie it back to a, a team aspect, you do something on social media that gets you suspended or even kicked off the team or whatever it might be. Yeah. Uh, you just let every teammate down because it was essential that you said so-and-so is a so-and-so. Yep. Or whatever. Yeah. You know, so and how that about code pl- of conduct applies to online things as well. How about a player looking at another player going, don't post that, man. 
have a have a filter have someone right. that you could call upon to go should i say this Cause... be a prep blue brother <laughs> so, <laughs> so right. uh september 6th we're looking forward to it get out there see prep we'll continue to keep you posted with hopefully a little bit more further in-depth uh fall preview with some actual players and then hopefully some some good coaching interviews to look forward to as the season start um, we're going to get a lot more active within current student body. So if you're out there and you are uh, a incoming freshman or already a student at prep, look forward to hopefully listening through this throughout the year and we're going to get you on. So it's not just, you know, two old guys speaking, uh, on two mics. It's going to be some younger people and some coaches you care about and you're going to be able to hear from them. And the so, next, and I think the next podcast will update all the other sports too. What's coming up for them. Absolutely. Girls so, volleyball, cross country. I see these guys running right now. Yeah. Um, it's not easy, man. It's not. Really is not. And, and you know what was one story that I'll tell you about that uh, cross country team? When I went on one of the runs in which it's a, a local uh, program here that does weekly running, the prep uh, cross country team showed up, and I found out from one of their coaches that uh, one of the senior captains – put together an entire schedule for the entire summer in which told people, if you want to run, show up at this place at this time, and we run together. We run up with whoever run or whoever shows up, and we go. So it's they put it, and they put it's all on the player, what's, what's so cool. Yeah. Those guys are committed, and they're they're different animals, those cross-country guys, man. It's, that, that cross-country running is brutal. Oh, yeah. It is a brutal sport. The but, uneven uh, ground. Yeah. It's, rolled it's ankle awesome. wait to happen okay all right so uh you heard it here uh on, on the pup sports podcast as we know it psp go pups